to Dr. DM, a podcast where three pseudo-professional D&D players help out DMs to plot out their stories and plot against their parties. Doctors are in. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What a beautiful sunny day it is here in Washington. It's actually really nice here in Corpus Christi, too. It's not even thunderstorming this weekend, so that's great, or at least today. Wow. Yeah, it typically it rains halfway through the day, but it's not doing that today, which I'm very happy about. Yeah, it's been nice and sunny. It was dreary the last week and a half, um, but yesterday, oof, excuse me, yesterday the sun came out and decided to stay, and it's now in the 70s, and I could not be happier. Cool. When we're done here, I'm going to go play in the dirt outside and enjoy some sunshine. Okay, after we're done here, I'm going to the beach. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, I have to find the page that we're talking about. We have a Monster Weekly this week following our... Oh, come on. It's, uh, it's page 34 in the Monster Manual. Thank you. I'm on anyflip.com looking at mine. Um, <laughs> which is a pretty, actually, it's a pretty cool um, system. It's just a, a dynamic page flipping scan of books. And I'm looking at the Monster Manual. Um, the font is really small and I don't know where. Okay, found our monster. Did we figure out how this new one is pronounced last week? Because I remember talking about it and now I don't remember what our verdict was. It's it's Bullet. Bullet. Go ahead, Tasha. No, no, that that sounds closer. It's it's not Bullet. It's Bullet. Yeah. Now, I will admit I have been calling it Bullet my entire adult life. So, <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, it's the French pronunciation. Yeah, I mean, uh, it does have the extra e at the end. I, I do understand why the change in pronunciation is probably necessary on my part. I am just explaining to our listeners, in case I do call it a bullet, that's just habit, and my bad. <laughs> but bullets are the um, they're land sharks, and I love them. They're giant tunneling land sharks. (laughs) Uh, They're like the best random monster encounter in D&D ever. (laughs) I mean, that's actually what it says in its description. It's just like, yeah, if I see something, I'll just try to eat it. So it doesn't, it doesn't even have to have a motive. You can literally be like, huh, this camping mission's a little boring. There's kind of dirt and rocks nearby. Sure, a bullet pops out and tries to eat you guys in the middle of the night. Shark attack! <laughs> it's just, it's it literally has in this description, wandering monster. Which, if anybody has played um, Munchkins, is literally what the monsters are called. Wandering monster shows up to attack you. They are the wandering monsters. <laughs> Short of this and on kegs, like you just get everyone terrified of any loose dirt. Yeah, <laughs> basically. There must be a word for that. Being afraid of the ground. Because I know agoraphobic is being afraid of the outside. But, ah, 
there probably is a fear of that. But yeah, you could absolutely instill that in your players. Um, uh, I think it's fun um, for any of your players or party who uses things like Thunder Wave or Thunderclap and stuff like that. The, the really loud like spells like that to attract land sharks because of it. So if they keep like triggering those kinds of spells, a random land shark pops up because they felt the vibrations in the earth. Yeah, they're pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how it describes which particular types of creatures it likes to eat, which just seems weird but slightly funny. Hey, you know what um, kinds of different creatures sharks like eating? I guess true. It's very... It, 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 comes across as a very biology statement you know like when you look up an animal on wikipedia it's like and it's preferred foods or fruits and and the like but yeah it's just like if you're in a wikipedia page and you look up an animal and it's like it's preferred you know food is like vegetable you know fruits and nuts and things like that it's just very standard animal description speaking of which that's very highlighted in a bullet they are animals I mean, they're considered monstrosities, but they're not, they, they don't have any kind of, of higher sapience, um, like the way, like a, a goblinoid would. Um, these guys are just wild animals. They're just arcane wild animals. Y'all, this so. thing looks like an armored mole with a shark face. Yeah! So if you don't have access to a monster manual and you want to know what we're looking at we're looking at an armored mole with a shark face it's specifically under arcane creation some sages believe the bullet was a result of mad wizard's experiment at crossbreeding snapping turtles and armadillos with infusions of demon icker. gross who who the fuck decided that was a good idea pardon my language but like what I mean, like, I know it says the word mad wizard right there, but this is some full metal alchemist chimera nonsense. (laughs) I was going to say, I think we learned our lesson with Nina. Not to question too much or we'll get the answers. Yep. Um, But yes, it's absolutely bizarre. It's also stated very clearly that this particular creature, they fear no one. They will just attack anybody, regardless of whether they... They think you are more powerful. They just attack shit, including dragons and shit. They're insane. Um, but if you do want to play them with a more animalistic instinct, sharks will often take bites out of creatures only to discover that they're not edible or that they don't like them very much. It's typically what happens with people in shark attacks. They think they're seals only to grab onto them and find out that they're full of all of these really ridiculous crunchy bones. And that's not... That's not a good meal. So they will typically let people go after that. Um, so you could instill that same ideology into the um, the land your your particular land shark. Um, now snapping turtles, on the other hand, don't give no shit. They're just mean. <laughs> so if you wanted to lean into the snapping turtle genetic component, I suppose of the uh, the bullets, then. Um, they would, they, they'll bite fingers off just because they're pissed. So. I don't know much about armadillo behavior. Um, armadillos are insectivores. Um, they're not particularly 
territorial. They do have territories, but typically they, they do operate in more of a group of behavior, depending on the species of armadillo um, and where it is in its life stages. Younger armadillos typically don't move together in groups. Um, they, they are typically solo individuals, much like snapping turtles. They don't typically hang out with other creatures. So a group of bullets might be rarer to find because both these creatures are... are uh, I, I do want to put it. All creatures shun bullets, which treat anything that moves in food with as food, even other predators, bullets, or and bullets, or bullets. Sorry, bullets. Bullets come yeah. to get bullets. Bullets come together only to mate, resulting in bloody acts of claw and teeth that usually end in the male's death and consumption. Dope. Good to know. Good to know. For the record. Neither snapping turtles nor armadillos act that way. So that must be the demon ichor coming in. <laughs> Maybe there's Maybe a little nice bit demon. of praying mantis in there. Yeah, or spider. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as a challenge rating 5 and a strength of 19, these things are pretty tough. They've got a constitution of 21, which makes sense since they're armored. Um, and they hit pretty hard. They're... Average hit is 30, or you can rule 4d12 plus 4 piercing damage. Yikes. I think I think of another really positive way to think about these guys in the terms of how to run the monster is to think of them as alligators or crocodiles. So their goal is to sit really, really still until something stupid enough comes near it. They jump out, grab it, and pull you into the earth. Because they've got this thing called Deadly Leap. That if a bullet leaps, leaps at least 15 feet apart as its movement, um, it can then use this action to land on its feet in a space that contains one or more creature. One or more. Because they're a large such creature, they could hit three or four of your party members. I do want to point out, it doesn't grapple. So it would make pulling it away harder than like for an oncake which would grapple. That's true. But I mean it does it it, it has it has some ridiculous jumping capabilities. Full on yeah, I don't know where that came from because armadillos and, and snapping turtles don't jump. Um uh, uh, but yes, it, it leaps up out of the air. It knocks targets prone though. It's them good good demon legs. Yep. So I guess it'll knock targets prone, but it creates tunnels when it's digging because it's burrowing. So it could just knock one of these guys into one of its burrows. Well, that's true. It actually, um, part of its hunting ground, um, sorry, bullets use their powerful claws to tunnel through the earth, which, uh, when they hunt, a list of obstruction, they uproot trees, cause landslides in, uh, loose slopes, and leave sinkholes behind them. So if you just want, like, a bunch of traps up till... Like, if you want to make a, like, a monster hunt, and you go find the bullet that's, like, terrorizing a town, um, you can leave a bunch of, essentially, land traps for people. Yeah. A bunch of sinkholes. Or, um, potentially, you can have mating locations. Because snapping turtles do this where they will, will go to a specific location that is typically known that they, they return to over and over for their mating season. So you can have a cluster of land sharks that are showing up in a particular location of these bullets for a mating season. So they don't like each other, but they also are still hungry and are trying to eat shit while they're also trying to, you know, make baby bullets. So um, the, the option there is that you can have 
several land sharks all pop out all at the same time and they're real mad and you can have a bunch of sinkholes all over the place like this could be like a legit scary ass fight but in, it understand that if the bullets run into each other they'll try to eat each other too so like there there is no the bullets have no allies <laughs> mm. it would make for an interesting combat these things are cool yeah and they have no like they have no layer. There's no like place that they go to to return home to. Um, they just kind of wander. Unlike armadillos that do have burrows. There is something at the very bottom of the page that says um, that they've been thought to be extinct, but they always come back. And so scientists, or I guess the, yeah, I mean scientists. Um, sorry, sages. Some sages suspect that bullets maintain secret nesting grounds from which adults strike out into the world. So there's there's an option for you if you want to have like a nesting ground underneath somebody's town and then every so often an adult will appear because it has matured and has left the nesting ground. They won't usually go back, but babies need to eat too. And even baby bullets could be a, a really big problem. So you can have a nest of them and just dock the challenge rating a little bit if you want a multi uh, a multi mm. monster fight. Yeah, if they are more like snapping turtles then they really don't take care of their young too much. If they are more like armadillos, as far as I know, some species of armadillos are um, parental and so will take care of their young for a certain period of time. Um, that's more common in mammalian species. Um, but not, it's not completely, I mean, like alligators and stuff are parental. So it really just depends on the, the, the animal. Um, so you could say that the bullets will go back and feed their young, or you could say that they just lay eggs there and, or whatever, or whatever, because it's not, it's not specific. All right. Well, these guys aren't too complicated. Um, they're good high-ish challenge rating of five. They're they're it, they seem like a really versatile monster. If you don't know what else to do, you're in the middle of plots, your party's in the middle of a field traveling somewhere, or you're on your way to a bigger fight that is part of a plot. A bullet can be anywhere, and could just attack your party for absolutely no reason other than yummy. Yeah, Food. they they do make. Mm -hmm. They, like Tosh was saying, they make for great monster hunts. They do have a really high constitution, so it means they are a a reservoir of hit points. Um, and uh, depending on how you play your game, bullets are known for being harvestable for their armor. So you can make armor out of bullet hides. Or sell it. Um, yeah, or sell it. So there are material components that can be gathered from this animal if you, that's something that your party does. Um, and, and that's certainly something that they could make bullet-style armor that would allow them to jump at people and so on and so forth. That'd be neat. Yeah. For a charger or someone up front? Yeah, for sure. Essentially just bowl into people. They don't have horns, right? I'm just, yeah, no. No, no, they don't have horns. Um, if I remember correctly, Trinket's armor was made out of bullet armor, which allowed Trinket to roll into a ball. Um, well, I feel like there's only one page for bullets, and they're pretty versatile, and they're pretty straightforward. I don't feel like there's too much more we can talk about. Do we want to mm. move on? 
Yeah, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with moving on. Since they're really just monster, they're monstrosities and they're unaligned. They're very just treat them like big animals that are they're just predatorial aggressive animals and so it's just a good idea but there isn't a lot known about their biology arcane biology there's not a lot known about them so they're they're very flexible if you in canon or in your canon or in your story want to explore their biology or nature more you can it's a good way to start a hunt instead of having like just a generic monster is attacking a village or um a beast slayer guild is asking you to do something. You could be approached by a sage or a scientist of some sort who's trying to study them. And thinks they may have found a bullet nest and wants you to escort them there because they want to study it. But they know it's dangerous to go alone. So now you have to manage the bullets and also protect your scientist if you want to get paid. I like that. It's a good idea. Thanks. All right. Moving on. We do not have any appointments today. Instead, we are doing our second web checkup. So we have gone to Reddit and have found a pretty great question. I'm really excited to talk about this one. Posted by Reddit user me is DM. What is DM or GM burnout? Hello everybody, I was looking over the lore of this fine app of Reddit and I saw the words DM burnout and I was wondering what it could mean. So I turned to you all for assistance. Could y'all help me understand what it means? Yes, I am a DM, but I am not that experienced. Thank you in advance. Now there were a couple of answers on the Reddit itself. This question only got two comments and I don't remember what they were, but they were essentially like defining the terms of burnout and... So I thought, uh, well, we thought it would be a wonderful idea to talk about this because I personally get this a lot. I don't know about Beth. Beth and Tasha, you've been doing this much longer than I have. Um, But I get burnt out very easily with um, recreational activities, let's call them. So, yeah, I figured we should talk about burnout and how to avoid it, how to deal with it, and... uh, the things that it can entail. So I guess a, a general description of burnout is essentially when you are exhausted in a thing that you're doing and you have very little motivation to continue. Um, it's very common in the workplace when a job is not fulfilling or you are just worked to the bone and you don't want to do it anymore and you just feel essentially burnt out like a candle at the end of its wick. You don't have much energy to continue. I want to say I I go through cycles of burnout with with D&D, especially as a GM. Um it it typically stems from a lack of direction on my part for the story or campaign that I'm running. If I don't know where I need to take my story or what needs to happen next, um it can be really hard for me to sort of figure out what I'm doing for those sessions because I don't know what's happening next and I don't know what they're doing now. And so it's emotionally exhausting on my part trying to figure out, okay, well, what are they doing? Where are they going? The way I've started handling this is by asking in advance what my players are thinking 
out of the ta off the table, you know, hey, what are you guys thinking about doing? So I know what your players, your characters are thinking, so I know how to render the world ahead of you. So I, I have a direction because if I don't, if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm trying to plan for too many things all at once, and then I get lost in the detail, in, in you know, the different branches, and it gets too overwhelming. So if my players are like, hey, we're planning on going to Waterdeep, I'm like, awesome. I will plan for you guys being in Waterdeep. And I know then that I only need to focus on Waterdeep. I don't need to explore every other city right now because they're not planning to head there. Um, so that's one part of it the other part of it is being a dm is hard and anyone who tells you otherwise is lying to you it is difficult it's probably one of the more difficult parts of DD because you were essentially the world generator in the video game you were the one who was making all the npcs you're making the whole plot line and everyone else just has a controller and is playing in the world and so you are the game console that they're playing on. And so there's a lot that goes into that um, emotionally and physically and mentally while you were trying to build a world. So if you play too often from your perspective or you don't have enough time away from work or away from the table to plan for games, you will constantly feel overwhelmed and um unprepared and that just makes the game not fun anymore and it leads to burnout yep what about you tasha what what have you how have you experienced burnout um and flaming wreckage um but i've how i've learned how to deal with it is to do the opposite where i plan nothing <laughs> just make everything up as I go. <laughs> or pick up modules <laughs> and just read those. Um, I'm not super world-buildy. Um, so either I, if I want to do something totally generated, I just make it up as I go and do really basic stuff. And then if I get inspired, sweet, I'll, I'll write it down and save it for later. Um, if mo But most of the time I'll, I'll run like a module or something uh, and then tailor it to my group which is something I'm a little more accustomed to because I can, you know, tweak NPCs, change, you know, plot goals or, or, hook, or hooks to the players. That's easy peasy as long as the monsters and stuff all, all work out together. Um, and then uh, so I know there's some people who literally will plan out every inch of their world um, before they even start. Um, these people also usually never run games, so, you know. Amen. I can't attest to that. So focused on every on world building that the, the game kind of gets lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, burnout tends to happen more on the social side. Um, not just with just like hanging out with friends and stuff, but just simply planning to get everybody in the same place at once. Especially if everybody's working and has, you know, a life. It can be so exhausting. And, um... If you live in an area similar to mine, it's a lot of travel to get people in person. And if it's online, I find that as a player, at least, it's not stimulating enough. So I get burnt out because I'm bored and twitchy and just 
can't sit still. But in terms of DMing, I I tend to get really, really lost in the world building. I love it. I love world building. But then I get discouraged and disheartened when either my world building gets either overturned or completely ignored by my players. And that's not a good look because the point of the game is to play with your players and have a good time in your world and not stress about, well, did you see this cool thing that I did? Recognition is good. It's fun, and it's it. You know, you are working hard as a DM to to put up your game, but it shouldn't be the only thing on my mind when I'm playing. And sometimes it is. I've talked a lot about how anxious I get also when I'm playing, um, on both sides of the table, and it. I'm gonna say it's it's hard emotionally when you know that you're going to get hot and sweaty and shaky during every encounter. It makes you want to not run an encounter. So I don't have a solution for that. Then more experience, like anything else, would help me figure out how better to run an encounter so that I don't feel like I'm going to vibrate off of my chair. I think that's partly experience and partly your table. Um, it, it really helps if you were with people who you were comfortable with those first few times that you're running a game. Which is why so often D&D spawns out of a friend group. Um, because you... It feels like there's less judgment because you have already said an enormous amount of stupid things to these people before. And most of them are in a group chat, which they will hold against you forever. So Absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> so that kind of situation typically lends to less anxiety at the table because it's harder to it's easier I guess for you as a person to step back and remember hey I'm just being a dipshit with my friends um and that can help take some of the stress out because it's a it's a party they're they're D&D parties (laughs) I feel like that's also true of the opposite. I've never played in a complete stranger game, like at a convention or something. But I feel like if I was at a complete stranger vein, uh, if I was at a complete stranger table, I would likely just lose my shit and do whatever dumb things I can think of. Because, well, yes, there's consequences, and I don't want to make it horrible for everybody. But like, it's meant to be fun, and I can have fun with zero social consequences within reason. I am not suggesting you go in and be a dick to everybody at the table. But it lessens the social fallout. If you don't know these people, you can be fun and have fun without worry of, I'm going to see them at work tomorrow and they're going to remember the stupid things I said. And, and, there is, as you said, there there are consequences. But there are fewer consequences. Um, because... Uh, uh, it is a one-shot. They're all one-shots. So there are are fewer consequences for your character and there are fewer social restrictions for you because you're not probably going to see these people very often. So, I mean, uh, sure, I recognize some people from D&D conventions, but for the life of me, I can't remember why I know them. I'm like, oh, your face is familiar. And even if you do... Yeah, and even if you do, they're playing a new game with a new character with a new personality, so the the vibe might be entirely different this time. Exactly. 
But if you're playing with people you don't know very well, maybe folks at a game store that you see every week, but you're not quite friends with, but you play with every week, that can be super awkward if you, you know, want to try and make friends and don't know how people are going to react to you week to week when you don't have that sort of history as you do with your friends. Once again, don't be a dick to other people you don't know. I will say... I experience more burnout as a player than I do as a GM. Um, I can I can sometimes encounter, especially in those situations where I don't really know these people, and coming back and playing week after week after I've worked had a work week work day or something. I am tired, and this level of social interaction that's required of me on my part can be off-putting because it's not scheduled at a time in which I'm have had the chance to recharge I am not extroverted I, I, I am very very comfortable being an introvert which seems bass backwards as a GM um, but I schedule all of my games in advance. I know when they're happening and they're typically always on the weekends because it gives me the chance to have a little time to recover. Now, my long-term game, we've recently moved to playing on Fridays after I get off work. And I'm fine with that because, A, I've been playing with these people. We've determined it will be four years come July. So fucking I've known these Jeez. guys for basically... Wow, for, for, that's so cool. For a very long time. So me coming home after work and dicking around with them, totally fine. And them coming home after work or whatever and dicking around is totally fine. We've gotten really comfortable with each other at the table. We're at our to, virtual like, table. This episode. Huh? We're, we're going to have to put a note on this episode with a lot of swearing. Uh, we oh, we yeah. may slap the explicit tag on this one and just leave the, the curse words alone. Um... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah y'all I don't know how many of you are actually listening but at this point I don't think it's enough for me to care about my F-bombs Yeah, it was a good try first when we thought maybe eventually we might want to possibly get monetized but so many other people swear and they still get monetized so I mean we just have different yeah and also we're not moving towards monetization anytime soon no um, so at this point, I think I'm just going to say fuck. That's fair. <laughs> that's fucking fair. Um, uh-huh. ha, ha, ha. But yeah, so player burnout is, is more of a thing for me because like Leanne was saying, sometimes you can get bored. And since I have been GMing for a while, I get bored at the table easier because I have grown accustomed to trying to do five things at once while I'm playing D&D. And you just don't do that as much as a player. You really don't. You're really only concentrating on what you and your party members are doing, but you're not trying to, like, also figure out what, you know, the secret motives and stuff's going on are as much. You really only have the one character sheet you're focusing on. Now, I like to try to plan my moves three or four moves in advance and then my party members don't do what I want them to do and that annoys the shit out of me but I can't fix that that's I just have to adapt to the situation because that's what being a player is like versus being the Mm -hmm. GM so I it's cyclical for me I'll go through periods where I am just stressed 
in another area of my life and it makes D&D harder for me. But when I come out of that area of stress, I'm like, fuck yeah, D&D! And I jump back into it uh, with the same amount of vigor that I had before the stressful period. So breaks are important. If you need a break, yes. take it. Your players will understand. Offer for your players. Hey, can we take like a, a couple week break or a month break or something like that? That happens. Um, and ask if any of them want to run a one shot that you can then play in. So you, you aren't losing that connection with your friends, but you have the option to let someone else be a GM for a while while you let your brain turn to goo and you be in a, in a non-important one-shot game and it can really it gives them the opportunity to be a GM if they want to practice at it and it gives you the opportunity to be a player and to kind of mellow out for however long your one-shot is good advice good advice um, also also if you don't want, if no one else in your party wants to give up the reins and you are comfortable still GMing but not GMing your main storyline, run a stupid one shot. Don't get a serious one. Run a slapstick, stupid one shot. Make them make whole new characters, do completely from scratch, just a, something that you didn't build at all. It's completely cookie cutter. Just steal one that is off your, or, or buy one off of drive through RPG or on D&D Beyond or something like that and just pick up a, a really dumb one shot. You can find some of these on Patreon too where there are DMs who make modules and they just make dumb ones and they're so good because the point of it is not to be serious and that can really help ease you because you're not doing anything you're just fucking reading off this card and off these pages and you don't have to do any really prep work for it and that can help yeah you don't even have to do um completely new characters if you want to do um, something like a bottle episode on a TV show you could do where you just, okay, everybody pause what you're thinking about our current campaign. Let's take the meme version, the memed version of our characters and, uh, throw them in, uh, I don't know, a college zombie AU. Yeah, perfect. Let's make an alternate universe with our characters that we're still attached to. And just have a fun little romp. And then in a couple weeks, we'll come back and get back to our serious work. But for right now, everybody's 18 and everybody's real dumb. The One of the, the things I did because a player was unavailable for a period of time. And so we were like, okay, well, that's fine. We'll just do some one shots. Well, I kept the characters, but I invented a labyrinth. Um, which is relatively easy. You can just go to like a map generator and they generated a labyrinth for me. It was easy peasy. And then um, I made them all pick their spells. They got into the magical cave, big lights flashing, loud noises. And then I made them pass their character sheets on to the person relatively sitting next to them, basically. They're like, hey, here, everybody passed your character sheet one over. You are still your character. So the fighter still thinks she's the fighter, but she's now in the druid's body. I that love kind it. Of stuff. So I'm like, cool. I love you it. You have to have the discussion about how to use your powers in character. You, the fighter, are now in the druid's body. You kind of get the basics on how druids work 
Yeah. See, like, I get I get how druids work, but the druid who is now in the wizard's body or whatever has to come over and be like, no, 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 use this spell. So whenever they're like, hey, if you know something that's on your character sheet and you want the other player to know about it, tell them in character. <laughs> Have these discussions in character. Yeah. You could do it new Jumanji style mm-hmm. where you as the GM, you just go and get some slapstick thrown together character sheets but your character your players are still the same characters but now nobody knows anything and they have to rediscover what the heck they are yeah. in this weird little pocket universe mm-hmm. um there are several drinking game based campaigns um i think we talked about the was it the red uh, was it the red dragon inn that one's it, it, it's not a D game but it is D adjacent um Mm-hmm. And that one's a drinking game. There was one that I found that is a carnival-style drinking game where you've got alcohol leeches on your brain and your players have to take actual drinks, sips of their drink. Um, you don't have to play with alcohol if someone doesn't comfortable or people are not of age. But um, they they are a lot. They are a, a really good time. Um, and there are also adventures that are ridiculous, like... I don't know, let's go journey into a mega trask and you have to fight the trask from the inside out, which is a very old D&D module that someone reinvented for modern time where you have to go fight inside a trask and there's like, you're in organs and the heart and the circulatory system. It is disgusting and bananas. <laughs> Some magic school bus of D&D. Yeah, yeah, like stuff like that. Like it's... um. It has the potential for you to find some really fun one-shots, and that can help recharge your batteries a little bit. Because if your game gets really heavy, or it's re- a lot of, it's just like in a big emotional slog, taking those breaks where you're having fun times in between can help all, you and your players recover from some of the darker stuff that might be happening in your campaign, and can help reduce burnout all around, even for your players. Burnout's real, y'all, for a lot of things, even fun things. So just remember to give yourself some grace and communicate with your party members because they're friends. They're not, they're not your enemy. They're not, you know, you're not going to be graded on how well of a DM you are or how good of a job you did. It'll be okay. Just say, hey, I'm tired. Can we take a nap? communicate damn it if you'd like to hear more appointments from the doctors please be sure to submit your questions to our twitter at dear underscore doctor underscore dm or to dear doctor dm at gmail.com both of those are spelled out all the way so d-e-a-r-d-o-c-t-o-r-d-m also if you can rate review and comment on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts it will really help our show grow Share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with your party. We'd love for folks to come to us for more questions answered and the like. So thanks again, everyone. The doctors are out.